Welcome, True Believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man. And here is a man who is not a boy, my manly <laughs> friend, Eddie. How are you today, Eddie? Yar, here I am. <laughs> uh, I'm feeling great today. Um, Well-rested and ready to podcast. Yeah, Eddie, and I'm sorry that I called you a boy. It, it was... <laughs> Come on, man. It was actually a joke from the issue. Ah. Peter Parker was really designed initially. Remember, we started reading these uh, seven months ago. He was designed to neither be a boy nor a man. He's supposed to be a teenager. Funny you should bring that up because today we have our first teenage guest for our podcast. Wow. That's a what a complete coincidence that I mentioned that. I agree. Um, I am pleased to introduce 13-year-old Ian Cooper, a bona fide teenager, the intended audience for a Spider-Man comic, everyone. We are exhilarated to have you join us. Why don't you tell us a little about yourself, your Spider-Man knowledge, and your fandom, Ian? So I've been a pretty big fan of Spider-Man since I was seven years old, and I've really enjoyed the new movies, especially the Tom Holland ones. Uh, when I was younger, I didn't like to read, so uh, my dad got me some DC comics, and that got me into reading. But I've never been able to read a Spider-Man comic before I started to listen to your guys' amazing podcast. <laughs> wow, that, thanks for sharing, Ian. I appreciate the amazing, too, in there. How appropriate, right, James B.? Absolutely. I was going to have him keep talking about how amazing the podcast is, but <laughs> I suppose we'll get to that later. Let's... Uh, Let's talk about this book here. Uh, from 1972, The Amazing Spider-Man 109, Enter Doctor Strange. Eddie, take it away. Peter is in crisis. He can't go save the recently kidnapped by Indo-Chinese Flash without looking cowardly to Gwen. He forms a plan to kidnap himself as Spider-Man, and although rather distressing for Gwen, it works. As he frantically swings about the city in ethereal Doctor Strange... <laughs> guides Spidey back to his residence. Using the eye of Agamotto, Doctor Strange gives Spidey a vision of the captive Flash, and it doesn't look good. Ian, uh, you mentioned you're pretty much a Spider-Man fan. Um, are you happy to see Doctor Strange appearing in this book? I was really happy, but I find it odd that Doctor Strange was worrying about Flash's situation. Yeah, I think, I think it's, a, it's a great point. I don't think so much that Doctor Strange is following Flash as much as Doctor Strange is worrying about what's going on in this spiritual world and perhaps this uh, high priest who's sort of caught between uh, life and death, as we're going to find out, is triggering Doctor Strange's world. But it did take me a minute to think about that after I, uh, yeah. after I felt the same way. Like, what? why does he care about Flash? It's an interesting point because he immediately connects Flash to Spidey. Um, I'll, I'll let you know what happens next. In Doctor Strange's vision, Spidey sees the real Flash recognizing the supposedly dead high priest from the hidden temple. Flash's abductors inform him that the only way to bring the priest back to life will be to sacrifice Flash. We return to Spidey at Doctor Strange's house and the duo depart to save Flash. James B., what do you think of the logic to kill Flash to bring back the priest? I initially thought, like, this is so strange. Like, why are they going to kill him? But they do say something like he's the offending party who is responsible. And, you know, at the holy hour, this person could be sacrificed to bring back the priest. So they did try to tie it together that Flash is the reason the priest is dead and that Flash should be the reason they could bring him back to life. Hmm. Um, well, in captivity, Flash is visited by the priest's daughter, Shawshan. 
She recalls the story of Flash's accidental betrayal and gives us insight into the revenge he is hunted for. Just as she pulls a knife to kill him, she is stopped by a monk who insists Flash must be killed only in the holy hour. Meanwhile, a highly distressed Gwen bursts into Harry and Peter's apartment looking for Peter, but he isn't there. She has a heated exchange with Aunt May, but crumbles into tears. Aunt May has a moment of realization. Um, so here we are in the middle of the issue, and uh, Ian, you've been reading this, what I consider this kind of a very strange Spider-Man issue. Uh, anything standing out to you at this time? Uh, Gwen gets really upset at Aunt May for calling Peter a boy, which I thought was pretty surprising, because she raised him. I mean, it's not really her fault. And so, so you're taking the side of, like, Gwen is being uh, Gwen is being inappropriate in the situation, or do you think Aunt May is being overreacting? Like who's who's who you two side you taking in this in this fight? I'm taking Aunt May's side because Gwen got Aunt May pretty upset talking about how Spider Man is a murderer and took Peter. Eddie, what do you want to do here? What side do you want to take? Is who's overreacting, Gwen or or Peter? I'm hanging with uh, Ian here. Aunt May, Peter's allowed to be a boy with Aunt May forever. All right, I'll. You know, I don't even have to pretend. I, I think Gwen is given Aunt May the wake-up call that no one else will do. It's, even you two guys wouldn't be doing it, apparently. Uh, come she, on. The, he's he's a man. She has a tender heart, James B. He has. She's still frail. <sighs> I'm not going to fight right now in the middle of the book. We'll <laughs> finish this story. We'll fight after. Uh, at the high priest's altar, the monks are preparing for Flash's sacrifice. Just as the giant one is swinging the sacrificial axe, Doctor Strange vaporizes it, and Spidey swings into action. They subdue the monks and the giant one, and Doctor Strange awakens the entranced priest. We end with Chipper Flash heading out to talk to Gwen and a distraught Spidey thinking about his new romantic competition. Uh, Ian, as I was just telling you a moment ago, this really isn't a typical spider-man story maybe it is for the latest books but you know it's still even atypical for that what do you think was the strongest or most important part of amazing spider-man uh 109 i think a key part of this comic is when peter makes a web dummy of himself puts his clothes on it and swings away at spider-man that's what I'm talking about more web creations james b <laughs> we we were just discussing i don't know if it was it was on air or off air but there hasn't been a web creation in forever. It was it was in your game, and I could not recall the previous web creation, which I'm a little embarrassed about. So thankfully, Ian has pointed out another wonderful web creation. Can, can we uh, give a visual of that? Because there's a couple things in this book that, that aren't really explained that well, even though you did a great job on the summary. And I think one here is uh, Ian or Eddie. Can someone explain who what this what, what he did exactly? Ian, you want to give it a go? Uh, sure. So Peter goes into the bathroom. He has no idea what to do to get away from Gwen, so he makes a web dummy of himself, puts his clothes on it, dresses as Spider-Man, and swings away and says that he's going to question Peter. It's brilliant. Excellent description, too, Ian. So everybody thinks Peter's gone with Spider-Man, and he just drops the dummy off on a rooftop. It's pretty pretty effective, though, right? Be honest. It's pretty yeah. effective. Remarkably. The, the other thing was, in the middle of the issue, the the daughter, uh, Shashan... You know, she goes after Flash with a knife. She tries to kill him, as we mentioned in the summary. But then later, she says, I wasn't trying to kill you. I was just trying to cut your bonds. If you look closely at the, at the you know, the panel, she's really, she's going to cut his bonds by lifting it up over her head and swiping right at him. I suppose it's possible. But boy, 
they they told the artist they said draw like a uh, <laughs> draw like a killing blow on this photo here and he's like all right got you and then they penciled in later she was just cutting his his rope there, his bonds <laughs> wow that was a surprise for me too a good misdirection also I, I before we move on here I really just want to go back to this argument you guys really think that Gwen is being inappropriate to Aunt May about Peter's her little boy and stuff like come on you really do you really think that you're just saying that because you want to take her side like what's going on here honestly Ian, you, can be you, honest you go ahead Ian if you got anything to say do you really we're, think- we're gonna win this one too <laughs> uh Gwen I feel was being a little brash I know she was worried about Peter and all but Aunt May is pretty much his mom, and she worries about Peter, and she still thinks he's her little boy. I don't like yeah. arguing against Ian. He uses words like brash, and he has good points. <laughs> I want to fight with Eddie more on this. I don't want to talk about this issue anymore. Uh, excellent. Well, I'm moving I, I, on. I think there's a sponsor we need to have get in here, right, James B? Uh, there is a sponsor we need to talk about. Eddie, are you tired of being bothered when you just want a little time to relax or are you tired of getting in trouble when things go wrong uh, yeah i i could use less trouble in my life and more relaxation well listen in the past you would have to go get a ginchy new hairdo and and that's all messy or a ginchy extra face kit who has time to be making those molds and stuff right but eddie we now have a more effective solution it's called the ginchy extra you Here's how it works. After you get in trouble, you put your clothing on the Ginchy foam model, which comes from the Ginchy Extra You kit. Then you put on a random costume supplied in the Ginchy Extra You kit. Uh, there's a variety of choices inside the kit. There's a police officer, a, a clown, a go-go dancer. There's even a Spider-Man costume, whichever one you want to put on. Then you kidnap yourself away. So if your enemies are trying to find you, boom, Ginchy Extra You, they'll say, hey, Hey, that clown, that clown took, took Eddie away. Or you're being blamed at work or at school for something like, hey, who made this mess? Boom, and look at that, Spider-Man just kidnapped Eddie. We, we can't get him now. So, you know, our motto here at Ginchy XU Kid is allow myself to kidnap myself away. It tells people that you aren't there with yourself because you've been taken away. All with the Ginchy Extra U Kit. Available at Madison Avenue Julian Gifts, online at Horizon Labs, See our ad in Portable Restroom Operator Magazine. Eddie, you might think the $299.95 price tag could be a little steep. But let me explain. This doesn't, this is, it can be used over and over and over again. It's not going to like ruin your hair. It's not going to be greasy face. It's just, it's super convenient. It's, it's all right there. You use your clothes that you already own. Wow. I mean... How many of these do you want? You want one for every member of your family, or are you just going to start off with like two or three to start? <laughs> I do like the word "gitchy" a lot. It, it, it's an exciting word, but I, I think it'd be very distressing for people around my family in particular, thinking I would be kidnapped, <laughs> unable to find me. I just doesn't seem like a good idea, James B. Uh, Ian. Could you explain to Eddie the value of having a, a Ginchy Extra U kit, how it could be used? Well, Eddie, if you ever wanted to just get away, you don't want to do anything, pretty much. You just kidnap yourself. <laughs> but then if you're worried your family is going to worry about you, then you yeah. just come back. 
But there you go. Perfect. <laughs> Ian makes a good point. If everyone's highly stressed, I just show back up, and then boy, I get I get a lot of praise for getting out of being kidnapped. You you can also have it be like uh, there's there's so many there's so so many choices here. You could have it be kidnapped by uh, CIA agents and say like we need him for a special mission. Um, it could be like kidnapped by like a priest. Uh, we need him to uh, give a benediction. It can be anything you want that someone's taking Eddie away. And I, remember, it, you're, you're not really I mean, being taken away. It's you, Eddie. You're the one making these decisions. Uh, I don't know though. I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna pass on it, James B. <sighs> well, at least the hey the the Ginchy people they're not giving up on. Let's read Spider Man. They're uh, they're interested in supporting us, no matter. What issue we're doing. And the issue we're going to do next, actually, is a Marvel team-up issue, not a regular Spider-Man issue. Uh, Ian, could you let us know what the next book we're going to do today is? From 1972, Marvel Team-Up 5, story by Jerry Conway and art by Gil King, A Passion of the Mind, featuring Spider-Man and the Vision. All right. Spider-Man is out on a hot night swinging around when he sees a man disappear. Upon closer inspection, he finds a distraught Vision. He brings him back to his apartment to rest. When Vision wakes, he reveals his mind is being attacked by unknown epileptic seizures. James B., what did you think about the start of this story? I wrote, I was shocked that dot dot dot. I'm like, what was I shocked about? (laughs) I have no idea what I was shocked about. A disappearing well, man? No, there has to be something in the beginning is, of this book. Okay, I know what it is. I got it. I got it. He I know brought him back okay. to his apartment. All right, all right, all right. I, yes, I know what it was. It's exactly where I'm going for. Okay, sorry. Yeah, I was shocked that uh, Peter, who's so careful all the time in all his ways to make sure that he's covering his tracks, decides he's going to go back to his apartment as Spider-Man in his costume with the vision in his house, and he actually... Did you guys see this? He opens the door to Harry's room in his Spider-Man costume and looks in and goes, oh, good, he's asleep. Are uh, you kidding me? Seems awfully risky. I agree. Particularly since Vision is injured, I, I don't think I would bring him back to my apartment. Who knows what's going to happen? He's a fairly powerful and potentially dangerous superhero. I mean, he's he's spilling a little bit of... Uh, of the web fluid, and it's causing the whole house to go into commotions. Here he's got an entire synthetic android sitting on the sofa. Like, this is a giveaway. This is a tell. Maybe something's up. Even Harry could pick up on this. And you know how he barely seems to notice what's going on. Uh, this is uh, this is this is a wacky start to a, a book. Uh, Eddie, what happens next? Uh, elsewhere, as he finishes his finest creation, the Puppet Master witnesses and investigates an alien ship crash. He finds a monstrous alien he names Monstroid, and will send him to bring vengeance upon the Fantastic Four. The Puppet Master puts Monstroid to work, breaking into a jewelry store to steal some jewels. The police cannot stop him. They proceed to the Baxter Building, home of the Fantastic Four. Monstroid easily breaks into the building, and they find it devoid of heroes. They prepare an ambush for the Fantastic Four. You guys aren't really super aware of the Puppet Master, right? Yeah, help me out here. I don't know anything about the Puppet Master, really. Okay, so the so the Puppet Master is part of the Fantastic Four set of villains. And he is... There's a character um, named Alicia Masters who's very prominent in the story. Uh, she starts off as like the Thing's blind girlfriend, if you've ever watched oh. the Fantastic Four movies or not. Um, and this is her step 
father. So he actually does love her, but he uses her constantly as like a way to like lure the Fantastic Four into traps. Um, basically, he has radioactive clay. He oh. uses it to like make people. Then he controls them. Like I made a like a voodoo type effect, you know. Yeah. Yep. Um, and you know, it's basically it. He's one of the early villains. He's in like the first ten issues when he shows up. All right, Ed, let's wrap up this story. All right. Uh, back at Peter's, Vision wakes up and asks Spidey for help. They go to a hospital where Spidey hooks Vision up to a machine that determines he has two separate brain waves. Vision's second brain waves are coming from the Baxter building. Spidey and Vision cruise over and into the building and begin to fight a monstroid. Vision has a terrible headache, so Spidey does the bulk of the monstroid battling while Vision slowly regains control of himself. As things look grim for Spidey, Vision knocks the Puppet Master out and destroys his monstroid puppet. Vision explains to Spidey that the mental frequency of the puppet also interacted with Vision's mind as he soars off into the moonlight. Uh, Ian, is Monstroid organic or is it a robot? What do you think? So I went on the internet and I found out that the Monstroid is a scroll military robot. Oh, all right. That makes him organic, right? (laughs) No, that makes him a robot. (laughs) Wait, what? <laughs> but he's... Uh, 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 I'll edit that part out. Okay. <laughs> uh, anything else you want to talk about Monstroid there? Uh, no. All right. Well, I really like how Monstroid communicates. He's always, uh, you know, talking in this uh, interesting font, and he's determining, like, I will enact that plan. I will enact what you say in 2.903 seconds. <laughs> he, he's an interesting character all through this book. And there's a couple of moments that I liked uh, when he's fighting Spider-Man and the Vision. Uh, I, I think there's some really good writing in this book, actually. Like when he first takes a swipe at Vision and Vision, you know, does his like, you know, he can't hit him. He becomes invisible essentially like a confused child the robot stands motionless stunned by the evidence of its senses then silent hidden circuits hum (laughs) i I like this guy quite a bit do you feel like this story wraps itself up do you think it ends or does it feel like it's incomplete to you um i i would say it's it's pretty much a complete story except you know at the very end here Vision, um, he flies off. <laughs> uh, did anyone else think that he was appropriately thankful to Spidey? <laughs> yeah, I didn't see him thanking Spider-Man at all. <laughs> yeah, I thought Spider did, Spider-Man did him a solid in this book in a huge way. Not only did he like pull him off the street, put him in his apartment, but then he diagnosed his problem and, you know helped him fight off a couple of guys that were messing with his mind. And I know Vision's MO, he's an android, and he's not the most personable of characters, but he just, like, soars off in the moonlight, and he's like, someday we'll talk. <laughs> and that's it. Well, I will say this. You, I was a little evasive on the Puppet Master questions, but that's because I'm aware that he's in the next Marvel team-up. Oh. And they'll Ooh, give you more. more of an origin story at that time. Ooh, someone mm. picked that up as well. So, you know, feel free to read that one ahead if you guys are really anxious. But uh, and it will involve um, Spider-Man with a member of the Fantastic Four. And thankfully, it is not Johnny Storm. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> I'm done with Johnny Storm. 
Yeah, those two guys don't get along anyway. Spider-Man, just enemies, essentially. Well, Spider-Man's kind of usually the villain, though, in those... To be fair, he's more of a he's more of a jerk to Johnny Storm. We know that. Ian, is there anything else you'd like to discuss in this book? I got pretty confused when uh, Vision knocked out Puppet Master because it looks like he kills him. He just puts his arm through <laughs> the Puppet Master and he collapses. I agree. Like if he solid it up, you know, he must have made his arm a little solid while it was passing through the chest before it whacks the uh, monstroid puppet out of his hand. Right. For the listeners, the vision, like you guys are explaining, the vision puts his hand, he comes up behind the puppet master who's holding his puppet in his hand. But instead of like reaching over over the top of him or around, the, he reaches through him, makes his hand come, uh, you know, you know, solid, hopefully does not make his arm come solid, which would then kill the puppet master. But the puppet master does collapse as if like, you know. It, it did have that effect on him. So yeah, if you read this, you're like, oh my God, did he kill this guy? But the fact I know he's in the next issue, I guess he didn't. There we go. Thank yeah. goodness for that. Little dirty pool there from the vision. <laughs> <laughs> All right, James B., anything else to say about this issue or the uh, previous? Peter mentions he's a scientist. Did you see that line? I saw Anybody? that. Yes. Did, did, a, phys- did, a physics yes. major. In Sorry. Fact. He's, a, he's a physics major. Yeah. Now, if, if you were... If, Eddie, if I had put you on the spot and said, what's Peter's major, would you have said physics? No, no way would I have said physics. I definitely, I mean, we know that Doc Connors is a, uh, what, a bio, bioengineer or something like that, or in bio, biology, and that's what I would place Peter in also. Really? Something I, like that. I would have went with chemist. Yes, chemist. I would have went with chemist as well. All go. right. All right. That's right. Ian's back from the right there side of things. Yeah, he's he's not a he's not a theoretical like physicist, you know, but he's like, "Hey, don't mess with the I'm like, "What are you talking about, Spider-Man?" Ian, what do you uh what, let's see, what you're like in what? Middle school? Yeah. Like what do you what do you do in school? Tell me something about tell us tell us something about Ian in school. So, I go to Aubrey Middle School here in texas and uh i get to play percussion which is a very select group apparently in our band oh i can assure you it is continue (laughs) um i've really been enjoying it i don't have anything to say about percussion because i'm not the music guy on the podcast (laughs) i will tell you eddie say something about it if if you play percussion then you the whoever's in charge of your percussion group trust you uh, generously because they know that you won't be making a whole bunch of noise and messing anybody up so yeah. <laughs> if you're playing percussion in an elite ensemble in particular that is i would describe very high status so good for you ian it's an excellent very fun thing to do thank you uh ian the one more thing i heard about you is you do have some kind of business tell us about that so a few months ago i saved up um, enough money to buy a 3d printer Nice. And uh, last Christmas, I started my business called Dapper Designs. My mom posted on her Facebook uh, that I was 3D printing Christmas ornaments. And there was no set price. It was just donations. So people bought them. And I ended up making around $500. How much did that that pay for uh, a a good chunk of the printer? Yes, it did. So it sounds like, is anybody else, uh, anybody else listening, thinking what I'm thinking about? I'll say it because no one else is going to say it. (laughs) Ian, the puppet master Cooper, (laughs) is at work making his own ornaments today. 
tomorrow could be monsteroid. I'm just saying. You heard it here first. If he, yeah. Episode 70. <laughs> if there's any, uh, you know, prominent characters starting to do odd things, we'll know We'll know who to find. <laughs> if you leave us any negative uh, emails, we'll, uh, we'll keep track of that and let Ian know. He's a friend of the podcast now. Um, and speaking of leaving us negative emails, Eddie, how could people uh, send us their lovely thoughts? Uh, you can email us anytime at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter at Let's Read Spidey. Or you can message us on Twitter. Um, you said you've been listening to the podcast before, so you must know how we do the close. Do you have anything prepared for us? Uh, I do. All right, so it's time for the close. Um, I'm James B., joined by... Eddie! And our special guest... Ian. And Ian, take it away. And remember, listeners, if you can't get out of a situation, make a web dummy and kidnap yourself. Bye. 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 Awesome. Wow, man. Um, where, how do you find us? Like, why? Like, I can barely find us. I had finished uh, watching the new Spider-Man movie. Oh. And I figured I would find a Spider-Man podcast, and okay. I found your guys's. Oof, that was close. You could have found one of the really good ones instead, but... <laughs> James B. We're like... No, we're good. We're good. We're... Yeah. No doubt. Oh, yeah. If you, want, if you want to read Spider-Man comics, then, you know, like, in order, the way we're doing them. It's almost like a curriculum. You can follow us closely. Yeah, but but he's about to leave us because people read faster than we do our thing. <laughs> True. Like Sarah Pezzel told me the other day, she's been reading with us, but like we're not going quick enough for her reading. So, <laughs> right, right, right. And, and we lost, uh, what's his name? The other Steve. Guys, like, Steve's ahead of us. Steve's Everyone's way ahead of, ahead of us. So I got a question. Ian, so you like reading these old Spider-Mans? What do you like yeah. about them? I like how none of, like no one really ever talks about the amazing Spider-Man comics. Huh? So I feel like they're unique. Yeah. Like they they set uh, they set the tone of a lot of things that came after them, that's for sure. They're, they do. You know, it's there's a lot of history. If you've been watching the movies, you can pick out all like the characters from these original Spider-Mans that they've yeah. adapted and modified. Wonderful it was job. It's nice to meet you guys. We'll, we'll we'll talk to you again soon, we promise. Okay. All right, see you later. See Bye. ya. And there you have it. He, I mean, jeez, uh, he had me nervous, like for real. He's a super fan and a kid too, and I was like, "Wow!" Did he have and you then, nervous because you thought I'm going to re- replace uh, replace <laughs> you with him? Well, he certainly could replace me. No, I was just like, "Man, I don't want to screw this up for this kid that's listening to all our podcasts." <laughs> you know, uh, I had I had a listener wow. tell us the other day that they like the data references. And I mentioned like, oh, we don't do them in the newer podcast. And they were like, why not? They said that's one of the best parts of the show. Wow. So I was thinking, uh, maybe. I mean, I try to work them in there.